What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Win Win Effect Show. Man, oh man, oh man. This is one of be my one of my favorite episodes and interviews because I have a chance to talk to someone that lives by the same mantra that I live by. How many businesses and industries can I piss off today? <laughs> so, <laughs> which it's my favorite thing to do, but you have to do it with purpose. And that's why Mr. Mark is here to share his life of entrepreneurship, making healthcare easier and affordable for many people out there, bridging the gap between patient and doctor and allowing the system to work for the people out there that really need to help. So that's what I really love about your story. We can go all the way into this. Next thing that I really love about you, you focus more about collaboration rather than competition. And that's something that completely ties all the way back into my core values and even why I built Winject Studios and why the industry right now has been getting fat over the last two years with podcast growth and they have to outsource so many things. So before we dive all the way into this, I just want to say thank you so much and welcome to today's show. Thanks, Chris. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. And I definitely feel like we're kindred spirits in the fight to make things right for people. So thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I feel honored, to be honest. We've had a conversation. Justin Breen, good friend of ours, set us up. And it was funny is when I have Justin Breen, he'll make an introduction. And I always look for where in his mind triggers. Bink. Like, I got to set him up with Chris. And we got on that call and we it went up a couple of decimals for sure. We vibed. <laughs> no doubt about it. We vibed. 100%. One, one question I typically ask at the beginning, just to kind of give the listeners a little bit more context and understanding who you are, what you're about, tying into the why. It doesn't, you don't need like an elevator pitch. But if you walked into a store and say you're, in, you're obviously in your Boston area, walked into a store, maybe they're walking in getting a beer or something. I don't know what they're doing because obviously I've been to Massachusetts quite a bit. <laughs> I know what they do there. It's like, hey, what's the Red Sox score? Like, oh, hey, what do you do for a living, Mark? What are you about? And then, bam, what do you normally say? So for most people who ask me that question, uh, first of all, I would talk about the Bruins as opposed to the Red Sox first, but I'm a big fan. <laughs> we just won our first round of the playoffs. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, I'm a season ticket holder, right? But if anybody asked me uh, what I did for a living, I would say I, I do, I'm an employee benefits, employee benefits advisor. And then people look at me quizzically and they're like, well, what's mm-hmm. that? Like, well, you got a broker box in your head. You got a broker box? They're like, yeah. I'm like, all right, go into that box. I'm a guy you call a broker, but now let me tell you why I'm not. Find the tiniest, remotest corner in that box you can find. That's where an employee benefit advisor lives who actually helps sit next to and guide CFOs and CEOs and leaders of HR to help manage the second largest expense they have on their operating statement called employee benefits. Hmm. It's four to five times faster than any other. What do I really care about? Making healthcare easier and more affordable for people. So that's my quick kind of, that's who I am. And people say, wow, okay, well, that's a lot to unpack. You're right. Right. That sets up the next part of the conversation. A lot of people, when I get, I get asked this a lot, like, what's your elevator pitch? I'm like, well, I never pitched anyone in my life, but I will spark your interest pretty quickly. So when people ask me, what do you do for a living? I change lives. Next question. Exactly. And that's would how. You, well, would you like to learn how? Right. Would you like to learn how? And I grew up, you know, a product of, uh, of two people. My mom and dad were both clinical people. My dad mm-hmm. was a therapist. Mom was a nurse. Um, all I've ever known is the business of healthcare, but I'm not a clinician. I'm not science and me don't go well good. I'm just not. <laughs> but but business of healthcare, for sure, understanding how it works and how it doesn't help the people, 
because of that upbringing with my family, because of working for a number of health insurance carriers and now being on the consulting and brokerage side for 17 years, I have a 360 degree view of how it works and why it doesn't serve the people in the way it's constructed. Wow. I like the way you just said that. Why it doesn't. That's opportunity right there. 100%. This is why it doesn't work. Unless you have someone like myself that has the business mind to be able to make it, you're tapping into the logical side of someone and make sense. It goes, oh, that makes more sense. Because it, as we know with healthcare, there's so much, there's so many policies and terms there that trip up someone that isn't educated in that world. How much do you see that with your, I guess you would say patients and people coming to you for your assistance? Yeah. So I would say right now, if you look at the Kaiser Family Foundation did a survey uh, of the people in this country as it relates to their healthcare literacy, mm -hmm. they found that the healthcare literacy rate in this country is 14%. So there is no half a person. So what does that mean? That means nine out of 10 people have no idea how to talk the language of healthcare. So imagine you go to a foreign country, you ever been to a foreign country, you don't speak the language and you bring a little book and you're trying to have a conversation. Somebody, it is the most frustrating, annoying, unproductive thing in the world. That's what it's like for nine out of 10 people walking around as it relates to healthcare. Mm -hmm. It's not okay. It's one of the biggest scams, to be honest with you. Obviously, I know your store and I know what you guys are about, and I'm not insinuating sure. anything like that, obviously. I don't take it that way. When you're looking at them not having the understanding and education of what to look out for, it's easy to kind of, I guess, be the, be the company or be the healthcare provider that kind of gets over on someone like that. And obviously you're just dumping millions and millions and millions more money back into their pocket where it obviously it's a never ending cycle of a dysfunctional routine when it comes to what's the best interest of the patient short term and then long term. With your some of the things that obviously you do with the employee benefits, I love that about this because most people, when they have those little things they have to pay for every single month, they don't know what that is. They have no clue. No clue. The only thing they're caring about, if depending on what industry and what job and how they make their money and how they trade their time for money or how they get paid, the only thing they care about is net. What am I getting paid? I'm like, damn, all this money's coming out of my <laughs> for my bill. Like, what's right, going on right now? Like, what, what value am I getting for it, right? And then when I get into the system, I don't feel like people really care about me. And so mm -hmm. let me just back up and say that if you look at the way the healthcare system was constructed, it wasn't built for you and me, Chris. Mm -mm. Built for the people who make the rules. Yep. There are four of them in categories. The government, big hospital systems, big health insurers and the prescription benefit management industry. Okay. Those four rulemaking entities got together and created our system and they administer it through an opaque process called coding and billing. Yep. You and I touch the system, a code gets generated and sent to the insurer to tell the insurer, this is what we did to that person. Here's the contracted rate between us and you. And this is what we're going to charge the patient. Okay, I'm okay with that. What I'm not okay with is the word I use to describe it, opaque. Mm -hmm. I, this is the only service that we buy, that we do not know the price and quality of whatever we're buying before we buy it. 
Does that make any sense to you? No, it doesn't. I mean, you can I can Google any company right now, and I'm going to look at their master their, their master head. I'm going to look at obviously how the company has written a mission statement. Look at their go to market strategy. I'm going to look at their product, service, and goods, or the cost of the goods of actually creating whatever that is. But this industry, there's none of that information. So how do you come to making the right decision based upon what you're shared? And most people don't have, I guess you would say, the understanding on communicating that over to the patient, in Correct. my opinion. You're I mean, right. And, and then we also have to break myths. We have to debunk myths for people, right? So right. anything else you buy in your life right now that costs more is usually better, right? Bigger house costs more. Better car costs more. Better clothes costs more. Better jewelry. You get the idea, right? In healthcare, there is actually an inverse correlation between price and quality. And people are like, what do you mean, Mark? I'm like, just because something's expensive in healthcare, it's actually been proven it's not better. 100%. No access to the quality. How do you know that? You don't know it. You rely on brand. You rely on your friends and your family members. And you rely on, God forbid, Dr. Google, the most dangerous place ever to go search for whatever's ailing you in health. I want to peel this back and, and insert my mom real quick. My mom, unfortunately, when I was a young age, slipped on, remember those Aerostar vans? I do. The little running boards on the side or whatnot. It was raining. So we would go and um, go grocery shopping on a Friday. And we would always go on a Friday night. It was like a ritual. Always going on a Friday. My mom would like, obviously, and I was helping. Of course, I was younger. I was probably like maybe like 10, 12 years older-ish. So, I mean, I was at the age of being able to tote stuff. I was like a mule. So I was putting things in the van, you know, whatnot. And it was a rainy night. My mom took a s- step on the running board and went whoop, slipped and bam, fell right on her back. Ow. Well, I can't remember the L, whatever the number is, but actually broke her back. Lumbar. Yep. Okay. So when she got to a certain point, like she, then that obviously set her on a surgery path. And just like every other year she was having a surgery. I think she's had eight back surgeries. It got so bad. She wasn't able to walk anymore. She was in a wheelchair. She, she actually has a morphine pump inside of her body. Oh. Okay. And that morphine pump inside of her body, they, in, they inject morphine in that pump to be able to obviously give her enough morphine to be able to walk around and do her normal act. My mom's a very active woman. Just, she is the hardest working woman and toughest woman I've ever met. And she has, was in, I've been actually in situations going home and visiting and she would get her pump refilled about every four, six weeks or whatnot. And what do you know what during COVID these assholes would, they wanted to up her, up her doses of getting her morphine pump because it was easier to dump more in and doing it more often than rather. And of course, if they don't have copay or whatever that might've been, she's left, she's left without being able to walk. So when she gets an injection, she's sick, bro. She's sick to, she's sick for like two days. So it takes her about a week to get herself back to normal. Well, Well, if you injecting yourself with poison, I mean, that's right. Exactly. It's poison. Right. So my point is this, when I've been in these rooms and you have these little fake ass doctors or what I call them, like, you know, all there are is just a glorified salesperson when it comes to medicine. Mm-hmm. They don't care. Like no. they don't care about the person's interest or how they feel. They just want to make sure that they're not going to get sued. That's right. So if they, and that's what I love what you do. And I didn't have a chance to mention that to you in the first call, but that's why I really resonated with, you know, and loved what you do because you were actually able to give them 
more knowledge and understanding on what their options are. People love options. When they're give, given enough options, they can make the right choice to their needs, short-term and long-term. Have you been in, I guess, in those type of situations where the healthcare provider or the doctor and not bridging that gap, and that sounds like that's what you're doing, of making sure that they're actually the patient and the doctor are speaking yes. and actually understanding what's going on? So what we're finding that uh, with, uh, in, our, in our business, right? So we work with employers uh, that typically have 100 or more employees and all their family. Okay. They insure their employees and their family members. They're providing health benefits to them. What we find in most cases with most groups is that roughly 50% of the people do not have a relationship with a primary care physician. Somebody who knows them, somebody who takes an interest in them, somebody who knows their health history, somebody who knows their family, somebody who actually gets to know them on a personal level. Why? So there's trust, Chris. And when there's trust, uh, open communication can happen. Yep. The problem with most primary care uh, physician practices today, roughly half or more are owned by a hospital system. Yep. When they're owned by a hospital system, the hospital is like Pac-Man with money. The hospital system wants the primary care physician to just refer people into their specialty practices because that's where they make money. In fact, the average primary care physician refers about $2 million worth of business into the hospital system on an annual basis. Wow. So when you look at that and you say that's a natural conflict of interest, mm -hmm. that means a physician's not looking out for you or me or your mom. And by the way, I'm I'm really sorry to hear about your mom's back challenges. I have a challenge back and it's not a fun place to be. It's uh, I don't have nearly what your mom has, but I know people that do. And unfortunately, people get surgery way too much. They yep. injections to mask pain and pain is the body's way of saying, hey, something's, something's wrong. Yeah, we got to fix it. So if we mask the pain, we're not fixing anything. We're giving person pain relief, which is OK, but we're not dealing with a systemic issue. So. Let me go back to this whole notion of primary care. In that situation, if your mom had a relationship with a primary care doctor who actually understood her body, who actually took the time, and I'm not saying your mom's did, doctors didn't right. do that, but if she went to the hospital, chances are they, yeah, no. yep. they just saw she was in pain. They did an x-ray. They saw she has a broken lumbar. They're like, you have a broken lumbar. You need surgery. Why? because that's the best reimbursement they're going to collect. Surge mm -hmm. is uh, surgical that requires an inpatient stay at a hospital, requires a surgical and uh, you know a back surgeon to come in and do it, the anesthesiologist, the radiologist, all these ologists, right, who come in and create these enormous bills and what got lost in the process? The, the patient's needs for your mom. Mm -hmm. The outcome for your mom in our population, in our group, actually, we have a, a community, which you and I talked about, called Captivated Health. And Captivated Health is a community that we built that will allow employers to actually move away from the health insurance-owned construct into them becoming their own insurance company, but then using reinsurance to help protect them so they don't have an unprotected liability situation, right? But importantly, when they move into this community, they now begin to get transparency in all the things that happen in healthcare. They then begin to see, well, geez, there's a lot of work and money being put towards specialty care and hospital care and surgery, but 
we're only investing seven cents out of every dollar in, in primary care. Does that make any sense to you? No, none of it. I mean, that's the whole thing about the healthcare system. None of it makes any sense to me. And then what do you do as a patient? What do you normally do as a patient? You're going to have just like anything when it comes to success in life. Some of us wanted to be an astronaut. And at some point we decided to conform and do what the society told us to do. That's right. And that's, they're expecting the same type of result in healthcare. Like, well, and they've made it so complicated on purpose. No. Yeah, of course. Cause it's controlled, it's controlled by strings of the people make the decisions and where it's going to keep their pockets fat. You got it. It's all about money. Once you follow the money, you see the answers. So what we've done in this community is of those four rulemaking entities I talked about, the government mm -hmm. never the government's going to be the government and we're not going to change that. We can influence policy to some degree. Yeah. Change that. The other three rulemakers, right? Health insurers, hospitals, and the PBM industry, the prescription drug industry. When an employer becomes partially self-insured, they get control of those three. Mm-hmm. They become those three. They can partner with service providers that offer what those three offer, but are not about those three. They're about the employer who's paying the bill and the employee who ultimately needs the service. So now you naturally say, okay, how do you do that? Well, it all starts with people having a relationship with a primary care doctor. So we're, there's a movement across this country called direct primary care. Yep. There are 100,000 primary care docs in this country. Roughly two to 3,000 of them have left the corporate practice of medicine and are now not accepting insurance as a form of payment for what they do. They charge you and me a monthly membership fee, on average about 100 bucks a month. And that person looks after you. Instead of having four or 5,000 patients on their panel, they have five or 600 patients on their panel. What does that mean, Chris? That means they could actually get to know you. They can get to know your mom. They can take the time because most primary care docs don't have the time. So what do they do? Chris, you need to go see this person about your back. Chris, you need to go see this person mm -hmm. about your wrist. Chris, you need to go this, see this person about those headaches you're having. But if they had the time to spend with you, they could actually help you deal with your situations without referring you. Right specialists who, what they do, I'm not denigrating what they do because it's important, but many people like your mom get surgery and didn't need it. Yeah. Many, many people, or they go to places they believe are high quality. This really gets me angry. Mm -hmm. they, they believe in the brand, but they don't know the person doing the work. Oh man. High quality doc. Yeah. And our population in captivated health is an example our number one cost driver is musculoskeletal issues, and number one is back surgery. Mm -hmm. It's the highest spend any employer has, and you know what the most frustrating part is? Many of the surgeries that are happening are not necessary. People could have got rehab. They could have gone different choices with their health care because, as my dad used to tell me, because he was, a, as I said, a physical therapist, mm -hmm. the knife should be your last option, Mark. Yep the very last option for you, right? So what I'm saying to you is that by virtue of having this relationship that somebody knows you can spend the time with you, act as your clinical concierge, that person's paid, you're paying them to look after you with that monthly membership fee. So there's no, there's no um, bias, there's no financial incentive for them to refer you to other places. And what we're doing is pairing those direct primary care physicians with our employer groups 
because we want to make sure if you already have a primary care physician, Chris, great, keep your primary care doc. But we know roughly half of you in the community, right? Any employer, you guys don't have a primary care doctor. Right. Millennials age 39 years of age or younger, when we ask them, do you have a primary care doctor? Even if they say yes, the scary answer for me is when we ask them who, they say the urgent care facility. I'm like, wait a minute, that is not a primary care physician. And I worry 10 years from now when you don't go get your preventive screening, right? Your cancer screenings, your blood work, this your biometric stuff every year. You're going to wait till something happens 10 years from now and you're going yep. to gonna say, Chris, you have stage three colon cancer. And you're like, what? What? What do you mean I got That's stage like, three yeah. cancer? Right. Because you haven't had a relationship with a doctor during the time in your life where your body changes physiologically and you're open to more things, right? So as we get older, unfortunately, there's more, um, more likelihood that we're going to be sick if we don't take care of ourselves earlier on. <laughs> I'm not laughing and smiling at you. I'm actually going <laughs> inside of my head right now. When I moved to the UK, okay, I'll tell you a little quick little story. Yeah, yeah, remember sure. That, remember the remember the like the clown song like Dent 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 Around like 15-ish. I didn't. Yeah, I, you grew out of it. Same with me. Same but then, with I'm, me. then I moved to this little island they call a country. And they and now I have now I have asthma again. And I ended up catching pneumonia like it's like Ooh. three years ago. No shit. Ooh, and of course, you know me, you know, I'm like, you know, of course, men, we're, like, oh, we're tough guys, right? Yeah, like, I, I, okay. I can't breathe. Like it's all good. <laughs> I'm dying and shit. So, I'm tough. I'm yeah. right. so I go to the doctor and it scared the living shit out of me. I went there and I got a checkup and I had a bunch of fluid in my lungs. Yep. And they gave me one of those breathing treatment things. And I'm like sitting there like Darth Vader, like playing on my phone, like laughing and stuff, you know, nothing serious. Right. That's right. just my way of deflecting. So, and that really, and then they go, you need to go and see a specialist right across the street. And they didn't tell me why scared the shit out of me. Well, I went over there. They're like, oh yeah, you're fine. I was like, I thought you were going to tell me I had cancer or something. Right. No kidding. You know, scared the crap out of me. Anyway, make it fast forward. I don't know, two and a half years, this course is COVID stuff's happening, right? And I'm, and we can talk about this and I'm not trying to get to a, a political conversation. Everyone has his views and feelings about the situation, not insinuating that COVID wasn't real. It's real, but it was, you know, obviously done in a way of, you know, putting people in a situation where you're, you're feeding the government, you're feeding the healthcare system of obviously making more money. And I'm not going to go all the way down this rabbit hole. But I went to the hospital, called the, they have a thing called NHS, like free healthcare. Well, I have a yeah. private physician. So they were like, well, I couldn't get an inhaler, bro. I couldn't get it. It was like six weeks. I was like, so I thought I was having. Just yeah, yeah. Can I breathe, please? Yeah, like these things. Yeah. yeah. I was like, listen, guys. And I, I got to the point where every time I called, I, I literally, you couldn't hear my voice. I was breaking. I was like. I was wheezing so bad. And I finally, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go into the GP. I called a general practitioner and walked in. And I was like, listen, I don't care what you have to do, but I need an inhaler. I don't give a shit what the policies are, right. who I need to kill, me. who I need to sign a paperwork. I don't care. I, I can't breathe. breathe. I, I just want to breathe. breathe. And right. sure as shit, I know my, everybody, if you're a patient, you know your body. An yeah. individual knows that. I just know what I need. 
Correct. And of course, they want to send me through this COVID stuff and make sure that I'm like, listen, I'm not one of these okie dokes that you see on the street. Like, I'm not going to play this game with you. No, right. I'm not sick off of COVID. I have asthma. I had pneumonia. But everyone was, so I was walking through the hospital and it was just like policy after policy. And I was talking to director and manager and hospital man. lost in a bureaucratic maze. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, and I had to sell them on why their freaking, you know, policy isn't shit to me. Well, I don't well, just stop for a minute. Well, I mean, does that make any sense to you at all? You have to sell yourself to the people. That's what my point. Help you breathe. That's my point. So I was walking through the I was walking through the facility going and they were like, What is that tune? I was like, It's a it's a circus. Like and they were like and they were like, Are you calling it this what of course they have the very posh accent, you know, like uppity. Like like, are you calling this a circus? I'm like, you take it whatever you want. I'm just singing a song. Right. So I just want to know what I'm on. Am I in the flying trapeze right now? I'm like, what is going on? Just give me a inhaler, man. So I look at it as, and that's a, if you are a patient and you're not able to communicate to a doctor or a physician, what you need and what you're feeling, and you don't have enough time in your day. And of course, I'm not going to try to get into that conversation where, yeah, the NHS system and the healthcare system, they deserve a round of applause on being able to deal with the last 18 months of our freaking life. I I couldn't imagine the shit show. So, but that shit show, what that did, it's caused a lot of chaos and cause people to put them in a situation where they're not going to take the extra time to put it in the next three questions yeah. to really uncover and diagnose the problem all the way. You have no, so you're lost in the box. That's what I call it. Being lost in the box. Right. And I figured that would be a good thing. So I wanted to kind of talk about that and what, what you meant by being inside it. Cause you mentioned it all at the beginning of this. I'm the little, small little tick inside that box somewhere. Right. So that's kind of where my mind went with this. Expand on that a little bit further if you can for listeners. Sure. So, you know, typically think of what a broker does, right? They bring insurance products forward for employers to purchase on behalf of their employees. Um, Mm -hmm. That is one of the thousand things that we do uh, for for, for an employer client of ours. So when I say we live in the farthest, tiniest, remotest corner, we're really about trying to help people get the highest quality health care at the lowest possible price and to make sure that the system's looking after them and that it doesn't feel like the experience you just described. There is nothing more important to anyone's life than their healthcare. 100%. You know, you know what the wish list of a guy who has a lot of money is? It's really long. You know what the wish list is of a guy who's not feeling well? Short. I want to feel better. You, mm-hmm. you want to do is breathe. I, I just said, wanted to breathe. You want this nice Rolex watch? You're like, Mark, get away from I just want to be able to breathe. I, no, I was telling, I was actually telling, I was like, I don't get, I was like, listen, I had a bunch of cash. You know, of course I have money clip of what I was like, listen, I, I was like, the damn thing costs what? Nine pounds. This is right. somewhere around nine pounds, right? It's cheap. I got enough money cheap. to put it on my pocket. I was like, listen, I'm going to give you a 50. Right. You do what you have to do. Get me the nebulizer. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that, you know, you can keep it as a tip or whatever you I'm just saying I'm going to leave the 50 here. You just get me as many of these son of bitches as possible so I can get the hell out of here. <laughs> and you're proving my point, right? So yeah. when, when you're not feeling well, you want someone to be looking after you. And the problem with today's healthcare system is when people have a problem. Right? So I'll back up and say that when we educate employees about their benefits plan, I've always made fun of our industry for doing this, right? We bring everybody in for open enrollment. So let's say your policy is going to renew on July 1st. Your employer brings you in for, for an education session about a week or two before, you know, the effective date of the policy, right? 
We share all this information with you. I mean, an hour, hour and a half of stuff. And then we give you a, a packet of information that your employer is providing. And it's expensive. It's the second largest investment they make in the company behind payroll, right? So it's a big, big number for them. But we give you all this information and then you go about your life. And then when healthcare happens to you, do you remember what we talked to you about? You don't even know where you put that. You don't even know where you put the information. I guarantee no, you because I was one of those. When I was working in corporate America, no bullshit. I was in my 20s, you know, so yeah. I was healthy. I mean, I was probably had like, you know, 12%, maybe 11% body fat on me. I was very healthy. Yeah, beast. dude, I was yeah, I was cut up when I was in, I, when I got in the military, but I was throwing some, I was throwing like this big ass tires around and shit. Yeah, like yeah. I was crazy. Now I know that it's not the heavy weights that destroyed my body, you know. So I played rugby for twelve years. <laughs> perfect know? example. And I just ran into things. I, I'm I'm a, I'm a train wreck too, man. Idiot, you know. So <laughs> idiot. I'm just a big dummy idiot. walking I'm around. Dumb. Really dumb. Stupid. <laughs> so I but they gave me a packet. Mark and we're like, listen. Here's what your healthcare. I was like, who gives a shit? Like, if I get right. sick, I'll go to the doctor. Right over there. Until I tore my ACL in half. And then what'd you do? I was like, where the f was that pamphlet? Where do I go? <laughs> where, right. do where do I do? Well, now, here's what everybody does, right? The first place they go is they go to Google. Well, let me Google it. 100%. I call it Dr. Google. Bad idea. Mm -hmm. Next thing they do is they go to their friends. They're like, hey, I wrecked my knee. Do you know anybody who can help me? And of course, you know, I'm your buddy. I want to help you. So I refer you to a guy who doesn't even do what you need, but mm. I'm like, Chris, I'm gonna hook you up. I got a guy. He can, he can help you. You go through and you try and figure it out on your own, forgetting that you've got all these resources available to you, right? Cause it happened mm. months ago. You don't remember. So what we're doing is we're actually built, we built a concierge service into our community. Oh, I love that, man. It has a mobile app and a 24 hour a day, seven day a week, 365 day a year, Someone will answer the phone if you call, or if you want to, you don't want to talk to anybody. That's cool too. You can tap and swipe. Now what we're doing is we're connecting the doctors who we're partnering with, with that, those service capabilities, right? So when you have a relationship with a doctor and you were in your case to reach out, the doc could say, well, Chris, you need to go to this facility, but you know what? There's a service inside the community that you're in. Pull out your, your phone. Let me tell you where that service is. It's on your mobile app. So now we're giving you real life, real time mm -hmm. assistance when healthcare happens to you so that oh. you feel confident about the choices that you're making with regard to your healthcare. Because they're educated. They're freaking educated and you're making it accessible. And it's your body. So you get to decide. You know, that's the other thing that drives me crazy. Even with some of my doctor friends are like, well, Mark, you know, it really needs to be physician driven. I'm like, no, it doesn't. They're like, what do you mean? I go, you work for me, dude. This is like, oh, I've gone to school. I don't work for you. Who gives a shit? <laughs> if I'm hiring you to fix me, you right. work for me. Okay? Right. Like, and that's another thing. I mean, obviously, the situation, I'm not trying to compare the UK to the US. In some situations, the UK is well so far advanced. But as an equipment and stuff, nowhere. It's no, not even wait. close. And you wait when you have socialized medicine like they have. So when you say, when they say in England, it's free, there's nothing for free. It's no, yeah. That's what I was saying. Like someone told me this, like <laughs> you get free healthcare. I'm like, no, you don't. I was like, listen, I, they have already figured out how to tax air and shit. You mean to tell me that that shit's come on, bro. Like it's in your taxes. I was like, do I look stupid to you? 
I was born in that last night. <laughs> right. I'm like, you know, I mean, depending on who you ask in my past, you know what I mean? They'll, they'll, they'll tell you a little bit about myself, but right. I'm just saying that I wasn't, I'm not an idiot. Okay. So no. I'm not gullible. You can't no. sell a salesperson at heart. No. So, no. and especially if you're, if I'm, if I'm able to ask you a question and you're not able to give and articulate the answer, that eases my, I guess, understanding and eases my concerns, then like I sniff bullshit. <laughs> so okay. Einstein, Einstein is my background for my, my Twitter page. And he has a famous quote, you know, if you can't explain it simply, you simply don't understand it. hundred percent. When somebody gives me an hour long explanation, I'm like, you don't even know what the hell you're talking about. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Oh, well, that's like, what happened? Is it, did you drop your cue card? Like what happens? Is, is it, is it not on the freaking card? Do you know what I mean? Like I, do I don't know. know. I'm I, I'm just I'm just one of those. I don't mean any disrespect when I'm actually yeah. in those situations. I use my humor to get away with my sarcasm because I speak sarcasm, you know, fluently. So I don't. Some Probably of why we get along really well, <laughs> right? I'm like, well, damn, I'm at. Did I tie in the logical side of it? I'm like, you know, right. like, come on, like, look at let's look at this again, okay? So, right. so you mean to tell me, and I do a lot of paraphrasing. So you mean to tell me, in your words, you used X Y Z. If you were in my situation and you can't walk because your ACL is in two parts like a rubber band, then you mean to tell me uh, I need I know I need surgery. Well, you're you did well in school, okay? So wow, you did really well. well but you, you can't were, walk and it's flying around. Like yeah, that. like you did really well. But then here's the shit though. Here's the thing. I finally trusted it, got the surgery, then was nailed with a staph infection. Poor quality. There it is. And so here's what would happen in our community. Yes, you would obviously need an orthopedic surgeon to fix your ACL, but you wouldn't start your healthcare journey there. You would start it with your primary care doctor. Why? Because your primary care doctor cares about you. You are literally paying him or her a fee every month to care about you personally. Right. You're not a code or a bill, right? That's not what they do. So then they would say, they would say, Chris, yeah, you need surgery. But, you know, first thing we're going to need to do is take an MRI on your knee because we got easy. Yep. Okay. But we're not going to send you to the hospital system, Chris, because we know it's eight times more expensive in the hospital than it is in a freestanding outpatient facility. It is? Well, it must be a different machine, Mark. No, it's the same machine. It's administered by a, a different person, but the same level of education. But ultimately, that, that individual standalone facility has a better contract for you with a health insurance carrier, right, with the network that you participate in. And we're actually going to help you, but with a nurse, it'll schedule your appointment at this facility. And Chris, if you go do this, we're actually going to give you a reward in your health savings account for making a cost-conscious decision without sacrificing quality. I love that. You are? Well, wait a minute. So instead of me spending four grand on a picture... I'm going to spend 500, but, but really it's 300 because my employer is going to give me 200 bucks for doing the work. Yes. Well, why wouldn't I do this, Mark? I don't know. Why wouldn't I, you? I don't know. Tell me, you tell me. So then you go get the MRI. The picture comes back to your primary care physician. He or she looks at it because they can look at a, at a radio. At a, at right. right. Like just as, just as we thought it screwed up. <laughs> they could, you're right. You need surgery. Okay. But importantly now after they left you or after you left them, they have their own network of people they deal with who they search for. I want to work with the 90th percentile, Chris. I, I, you know, in anything in life, it's a bell-shaped curve, right? Mm -hmm. I don't 
about you, but I never asked for. What's the cheapest doctor I can go see? Can you give me the cheapest one? Give me the dumbest son of a gun you got. Oh, the dumbest guy in charge. <laughs> That's what they do, that, and that's a whole other topic. Is a legal system. <laughs> Look, oh, so you can't afford a, you can't afford a lawyer, but we're gonna find the dumbest asshole. <laughs> they, right, you can find you. So right. In this case, your <laughs> I love this conversation. Then, your doctor would actually look at the quality metrics of the orthopedic surgeon and say, "Chris, in your area, there are three orthopedic surgeons who are ninetieth percentile or better. Every, any one of them would be a good choice. So mm -hmm. you can pick and decide. But importantly." Your primary care doc looked at the quality of the service, right? Quality of the clinical care um, before they made a referral because they're not associated with a system that they just feed. Right. 100%. Okay. I like this. That's the difference in the, the direct primary care model as it relates to accessing care rather than a, a, a hospital-owned primary care doctor who he, he or she is feeding the system, not because they are not good doctors, but because they have four or 5,000 patients, they cannot spend the time, they don't have the time, and they'll just refer you into a specialist so that you can move about your healthcare journey. Right, and then moving along. And the main thing is making sure that everybody's happy. It's a win-win. Simple. So, <clears throat> so let's make a pivot if we can. We've already obviously identified the area of opportunity with what you do and why you do what you do, and it makes it common sense to me it's common sense. So in short supply but, though, Chris. Yeah. Who knew? So <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, I don't know. Like, what is anybody else going to do? I'm like, what would you do? I'm like, oh man. I'm like, if you, if you shake your head long enough, it's going to be like a spray can sound. <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, I mean, how can I, how do I need to draw a picture? Okay. For you. <laughs> like sometimes for most that. people, yeah. <laughs> like, but it's okay. Right. The, the main thing is like even thinking about being in another country and you mentioned not being able to communicate with that language. That's difficult. Okay. So say for instance, if you're a, obviously a patient and you are underneath that umbrella, those hundred employees of the people that you're obviously helping say, and this is the way the world works. Not really this much nowadays in COVID, but people like to go and travel. Right. What if you go to Thailand and you're jumping off a freaking thing and jumping in the water and you don't realize how, how, how shallow that water is and you come in and you get hurt? So there are policies that your employer can purchase. Okay. Actually cover you when you travel abroad. Mm -hmm. There are business There's travel insurance. Plans. I know there's travel insurance because I get travel insurance. Right. So this what I'm, for your okay. airline tickets, this is when you go abroad. They 100%. International okay. health plan, right? So when okay. you leave the shore of the U.S., you actually are now, as soon as you leave the tarmac, you're covered by an international benefit plan. International Got it. Plan. Okay. Now, if you don't have that available to you, the carry, so what happens in a foreign country when you get hurt, the first two things they ask you for when you go to the hospital is your passport and a credit card. Mm -hmm. They're not going to give you service because there's no way for them to get paid if you didn't have that international plan. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, ultimately, what does that mean? That means that they put the charge on your credit card. They give you your passport back. After you get the service, you can go back to the States. When you get back to the States, you have to work with your health insurance carrier, right, to be reimbursed for the money you put on your credit card to pay the foreign um, health care delivery system. Mm -hmm. That's a pain in the butt. No, so, yeah, you just you just you just frustrated me the way you described it. So I mean, it works. Any, anybody anybody in that type of situation because co just depending on the injury, right? They're in pain. Correct. But they're gonna go. Listen, you mentioned that one that one thing that they need. They're gonna make it happen. 
I'm in pain. My leg is like, I'm dragging my leg right now. You take as much money as you need. Right. Here's my credit card. Here's my passport. As soon as I get your, they get your credit card, they're going to give you back your passport because now they've got a form of payment. My point to you is when you go back to the States, you'd have to get, you'd have to work and get 100%. And you're, remember, your credit card is, has interest charges on it. They're not going to reimburse you for interest charges. Mm -hmm. So they'll reimburse you some fraction of that amount. But my point is, if you don't have the proper international plan in place, right? So if people are out there talking to their advisors and they have people that work for them that travel abroad, this is something every employer should have make available right. so they don't have to deal with that. Okay. That was the only question I had that I was unsure about. I mean, yeah. this is why I, I believe that. You know, obviously you're in a New England area and you're expanding nationwide. Correct. Talk to me about that process of sure. taking. So I guess you have to show like a the satisfaction ratios, the impact rate, the impact of what you're making within the state and taking it nationwide. So obviously in different different states, there's different things. Correct. So that's a difficult task. So walk me through that. So, so the good news is, is that Captivated Health, our, our, our proprietary program, um, is geared towards the middle market of, of our country. When I say the middle market, that's employers between 50 employees and five or 600 employees, okay? Mm -hmm. Roughly 50 million people get their health insurance in that market segment. It's about $380 billion of, of spend in that market. It's fragmented. Those employers are overcharged for the risk that they present to the insurance companies in most cases because they, they transfer all the risks to the insurance carrier. The insurance carrier gives them a premium that's the same for 12 months in a row. And then we have this thing called the renewal. It's the settlement, right? To say, we charged you a dollar, your people spent a dollar five, we have to charge you a dollar 15 next year to make up for what your people spent, right? That's, right. that's the traditional way that middle market employers will buy their insurance. With Captivated Health, they leave that world and they become what's, what's called partially self-insured. So they ultimately come out of that world and they self-insure the risk of their people. Why I tell you that is state laws are preempted by what's called ERISA, E-R-I-S-A, which allows an employer, no matter where they reside in the country, to be able to design their health plan the way they want to. They have to follow the Affordable Care Act guidelines to a large mm. degree, but there's more flexibility to operate the same across the country as opposed to being each state. So when you're with a health insurer and you're fully insured, you have to follow the laws of that particular state, right? The regulations of that state, in addition to the Affordable Care Act. When you're self-insured, you're governed by ERISA, which gives you more flexibility. Okay. I got really wonky and nerdy on you. So no, I know. No, no. I mean, I obviously, you know me, I'm a little weirdo, so I'm a little wackadoo. Yeah. So, but I'm I was following wonky. you. A little wonky, but now what we've done is we've brought you out of no control, no no data, right? No, uh, opaque structure into the world of now you're in control. Now you have flexibility. Now you have data, right? And then what we can do is design a health plan that's specific to you and your employees that okay. really looks at the data for you and your employees. And we're able to say, Chris, did you know that your leading driver of, 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 uh, of claims expense is mental health care. Like we've seen it go off the charts with our clients with regard, especially anxiety and depression. That's you, what I have. I actually have that written down as one of my things that I wanted to talk about today. Really it's bad. bad. It's really bad. It's, it's epidemic and it's not being talked about enough. Mm -hmm. It's not okay. It's so 
in this environment, we're actually able to, <clears throat> excuse me, use telehealth to connect people. So the problem with, with mental health and behavioral health care is A, they don't contract with health insurance carriers and networks, right? They don't want a contract. So finding them is hard. Secondarily, even if you find somebody, most people are reluctant to go to the mental health provider because they're afraid of who they're going to run into in the parking lot or the waiting room. Yep. With telehealth now, you've taken that barrier away because you're actually able to hop on a Zoom call, on a Skype call with a mental health provider and have a conversation with that person. Our service, our community offers that. It's a three-level telehealth program. It's physical health, so primary care. It's mental health, and it's also nutrition. And so if you wanted to reach out just because you say, you know what, I know I'm not right. I'm not thinking Something's right. Something's going on, yeah. Something's going on. Like you said, everyone knows themselves. And you can tap into something that's on your phone. You're, you're going to be willing to risk that. Right. Just driving somewhere and not being able to find somebody. So that's one way in which we're really seeing a tremendous impact to employees is that we're able to give them greater access through telemedicine. In a, in a sense of confidentiality of, of, per, of a person. So say, for instance, if you're in a, if I am working for a company and I have a leadership position, people in that type of role, they're going to little, they're going to probably like, okay, I can fix this shit on my own. I can maybe get this. And of course, if you go to the doctor, it's going to give you a pill. A lot of that mental health type of situation. I'm just speaking from experience of a lot of people that I was in the military with. PTSD. Bad. 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 And they're a completely different person. Way different. So when they're going through the VA system and it, they're literally sitting in line and waiting and waiting and waiting for months. Not okay. To be seen. And they're literally getting any type of, they're going to course what we're going to do. And it's obviously a big problem they had in new England. And it kind of came and went down. Now it's yep. nationwide. I believe with fentanyl yep. with yep. heroin, people are taking heroin. Um, and, Mental health is nothing to play and it's only gotten worse. It has only gotten worse. I never understood the disconnection for people between mental health and physical health. Last time I checked, our bodies are attached to our head. 100%. My dad is a lifelong bipolar disorder sufferer. My dad has tried to take his life three times. Unfortunately, you know, he, he, did, he wasn't successful. I found him at 11 years old the second time he tried to do it. Fundamentally changed my life the way I look at mental health. And, you know, I, I still don't understand it, Chris, and I'm just grateful that I didn't inherit that. Mm -hmm. But when I, when I work with him today, I, I'm patient with him because I know it's a chemical imbalance. It's not something yeah. he's missing a chemical. And when he takes the chemical, he becomes more normal, but then he starts to feel normal. And I say normal in quotations, because what is normal? I don't know what the hell normal mm -hmm. normal. I don't know if I'm normal. Feeling uh, at ease. Feeling at ease, exactly. Feeling some peace, feeling like I'm in control of my life to some degree. But with bipolar disorder, they, they feel better and they stop taking their medication. So it's this constant cycle of on the meds, off the meds. Mm -hmm. 100%. And, off the meds. and if you don't have somebody looking after you and checking in on you, making sure that you're compliant with your medication, that person goes off the rails, right? So what I do now is his son, right? My dad's 80, I'm 54. What, what I do with my dad is I look after him to make sure he's not going off the rails. Mm -hmm. I look at him and I say, you know, if I didn't know what I know about healthcare, if I didn't know how to navigate the system, he would be lost. He might be actually be dead by now. Mm -hmm. I, it just, it's what fuels my passion 
for making healthcare better for people. Because I see how many, how much money people spend paying for health insurance. They go to the system, and then the system whacks them with out-of-pocket expenses. You know, it's like my so expensive, so it's expensive. Ridiculous. And where's the value? The, no one gives a shit about you. No like, one gets. We got the, and then we we can go into the pharmaceutical side. And oh. the pharmaceutical side is just a, it's literally a nightmare. They, they have a, a license to steal in a way that hundred percent of all the places in the medical system that really make me angry. It's the prescription benefit management organ, uh, area. So let me, let me share a quick story with you, how we solve this for our captivated health community. Because we have now 30 employers that are in this community, 5,000 employee lives and 10,000 people. Right. So that's what we've amassed so far in six states, getting ready to expand, as I mentioned, in select markets across the country. We are actually able to carve out the prescription benefit management program from the health insurer slash third party administrator who pays the claims. They love having those contracts. You know why? Because they get to keep the rebates at the pharmaceutical benefit management. Mm. OK, we carve that out. And we outsource that, right? So now every one of our clients in this community has their own contract with a PBM, prescription benefit manager. What does that mean? That means we actually now have every drug on the list. There is no spread in the pricing. In other words, I get I I get charged a dollar, I charge you a dollar twenty-five, no spread. And all the rebates flow through back to the employer, to the plan sponsor. So when you and I are taking our medications, right? There are rebates associated with those medications that are tens of thousands of dollars in many cases. What used to happen is the employers did not get to keep that money. In our system, they do. In the last two years, we have returned, our system has returned, our community has returned over $2.3 million uh, to those 30 organizations that would have been kept by the system. Instead, Freaking thieves, you know, they, man. Get these they get these checks and they're like, you know, I don't really like the fact that my people are spending a lot of money on medications, but they're going to anyway. And so I'm glad that health plans and the TPAs don't get to keep this money. I get to reinvest it back into making the health plan better for my employees. And that's why you believe in community rather than competition. All about community. There's no reason for us to compete. There's no, at all. Us to collaborate. And then this, is, this is the, I wouldn't say tough conversation. I, I, you know me, I, I really don't give a shit what people say if they don't see the picture. It's just the problem is we're in a society where if as long as these people are making money, the ones that are controlling those strings are the yes. ones that will be affected the most and they're going to do everything possible to stop you. Yes. When you're seeing someone like yourself that has a lot of passion. God bless your father, by the way. Um, that's you, just Chris. you're welcome. That's nothing to play serving our, And thank you for serving our country. I'm, I'm honored to be with you this morning. Yeah, it, it was, I'm a grand of sand on the beach, my friend, but it played a part. <laughs> you know, so same here, brother. Same here. I'm a grand of sand as I appreciate you, man. Just shiny like, and a, we're just shiny and a little opinionated. That's all. Yeah, just a little bit. I'm like, that's, this one's cut a little different. <laughs> yeah, just a little different. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, my, my dad used to say growing up, he's like, you know, you, you talk like you haven't had your ass cut, you know, in a while. <laughs> You're getting a little mouth. <laughs> little mouthy. That's what my dad says. Relax. Slow your roll, kid. That's what he'll yeah, say to me. Right. Slow your roll, kid. All right, dad. I'm like, all right. Like I'm like, all right, man. All right, sorry. You know, it's my forty years old. I was just talking about this earlier today. I was like, I'm forty years old. I'm still. I'm afraid of my father. He'll raise his voice, and I'm like, old man strength. My that's kid, right. Twenty three year old son says that. He's like, 
You know, I believe that physically I'm stronger than you, but you have old man strength. I am not messing with you. I'm like, uh, I don't want no, I don't want no part of that. No part of that. <laughs> no part of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'll be at a dinner table and I'll say something slick because you got one more time. One more. One Just more. One. I'm like, right. yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. I don't. I don't care. It is what it is. But, it is but yeah. Is. So look, okay, let me. I'll ask you a couple more. Uh, one more question. Actually, it's the yes. same, a similar topic when it comes to the prescription side of it in the game. I know that they're putting like regulations and a lot of policies there, but it just kind of puts like I mean, this kind of like goes with entrepreneurship. If I you give me a policy to moving parts, I'm going to do everything in my power to put my team in a in a position where I'm staying in the green. Okay. Yeah. So you, people, that's what most people don't understand about the pharmace, pharmaceutical industry. They're, they can do everything possible as long as they're making money. Right. So when you're applying a lot of pressure in that influence, how much do you see that resistance on the other side of these see, moving parts? Well, what you see is, so in my business, we have this community I've referenced called Captivated Health, right? But on the other side of the equation... We have our, our, our base operation called Borslow Insurance. And yes. Borslow Insurance works with organizations that are still in the system. So some of the tension we see is we have a lot of clients. Roughly 60% of our client base is still in that traditional system, right? Where 40% are now in this community that I talked about. So there's lots of tension because the 60% that we work with over here those service providers get really annoyed with a lot of the things we're doing with the 40%. And they tell us that our goals are not aligned. And we say, what goals are those? Or just because they don't match up to your narrative, it's not my problem. Like my, my priority, our priority, my business partner and I say this, our business, our priority is not your sales goal. Our mm. priority is taking care of our clients and their employees and family members. So as long as your interests are focused on those people, we're completely aligned. When they're focused on your sales goal or your company's profitability, you're right. We're not aligned at all. Wow. That's exactly what I do for companies. But there's a lot of tension, Chris, because we still need, oh, yeah. still need us. So it's learning how to respect that relationship, um, but also having them understand, don't treat us like a regular, like I'll use your example, an ordinary sand, piece of sand. We're not. We're not the same. We're not a broker. We're not a consultant We're we understand the game and we still want to work with you and you can still make profit, but you're not going to make obscene amounts of profit on our clients. You can go make that from somebody else who doesn't really understand how it works. You're like the mafia for people in the industry. <laughs> so they can't afford payments <laughs> like for, the, for to go to police, I guess. <laughs> we just make, we just make, we just make sure that the system doesn't overcharge them. Right. 100%. Making sure that no one's getting over on, on another individual and they're getting away with murder, pretty much. Correct. Yeah, no, exactly. And not and not doing what it is that people are paying for. I mean, if the average person, right? So if you look at the average policy today in Massachusetts for a family, it's $24,000 a year in premium. That's insanity. Pete, and, there's, and there's probably close to, I would say, 78 to 82% of people living paycheck to paycheck, and that's why. And one so, of the one of the components, and you got employers of that twenty four thousand that are funding seventy percent of it. The remaining thirty percent are funded by the employee, and then when you touch the health system, you get an out of pocket bill, you get a deductible bill, you get a copay bill, right? So it's not just the premium out of your paycheck; it's also the out of pocket exposure. So people get angry 
You're like, well, geez, I already paid, you know, $12,000, $10,000 for this health insurance plan. And now I'm going to get a $6,000 bill because I used it. And they don't know that they could have made different choices about a, the plan that they have because their employer doesn't know, or their advisor's not telling them because their broker is just brokering products, not solving a problem. Right. So I don't want to denigrate my competition. I, I never do that. Uh, but well, just, you don't have to, they do it for them. They do it to themselves. Nine so, and a half out of 10 people who do what I do for a living do not live where we live. They don't, they, they play the game, the system created, and they pretend that they're doing their clients a service when they're not doing their clients a service. They know when they go to sleep at night. I do too. So I had one client I share, I'll tell you this story, 80 year old guy owned his own business. And I recommended he move to a lower premium, high deductible plan with a health savings account. Uh, I almost funded up to the deductible. So it wasn't really a high deductible plan, but it counted money for his people. He did some research on it and he came back to me and he said, Mark, I got to ask you a question. I'm like, okay, what's the question? He said, you're going to make less money by putting this product in place. Why are you doing that? I looked at him and I said, as long as I look after you, you're going to look after me. He slapped me on the back. He said, boy," and he left. And mm -hmm. he had the plan. Well, that's the thing, though. You, you mentioned trust, and trust is the foundation in any relationship. I don't care what it is, but you're proving it through your actions, not your inactions. Correct. So you make it, okay, yeah. I, don't, I don't need to lead with what we do. I'm going to show you. Correct. So here's why we're here. Here's why I'm doing this. And of course, you're sprinkling in, you know, of course, your, your personal stuff. You wouldn't do that, obviously, in a situation. But what people are looking for is help. And authenticity, Chris. There's, yeah, 100%, man. There's a lack of authenticity in the world that drives me crazy. I mean, you can not like me. That's fine. But I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to tell you what I really think. I'm going to think it. And I'm going to tell you what I would do if it were me. In fact, the four principles of Captivated Health, which I think really make it very special. The number one principle is members first. I tell our team every day, don't come to me and talk to me about how we're going to decrease cost and make more money. I don't want to hear that from you. I want you to ask yourself, if I was a member of this plan, what I want to recommend what I'm about to tell Mark or tell Jennifer that I think we ought to do. And if the answer is no, throw it in the wastebasket. Love it. I mean, it has to be the number one principle about the people because I think that's what the system has lost the focus on. It's your moral obligation. It's your moral obligation. But, but here's the thing. I don't need someone to hold me accountable. I hold yeah. myself accountable Correct. because it's, it's, it's tied into my truest essence of me as an individual, what I do and why I do it. Right. So like when, I, when I'm training teams, I'm training. The first thing I train them on is being organized from them being organized and actually knowing their book of business, then start sprinkling in a little bit more in depth on the bigger picture, what they're not telling, what they're not seeing. It's like, exactly. these are the moving parts. You don't need to know how to get around these moving parts. That's my job. My job is to put you in a position to win. You can kick and scream, bitch, complain, whatever you need to do. I don't care. Oh, they will. Oh, and they're going to have to because it, there's a sense of entitlement with people yep. is the other thing that drives it literally boils my blood yeah makes your skin crawl oh i'm i'm like listen i'm like i'm like listen and then of course we're in a virtual world like listen i i'm gonna get off the call right now um right, and i'm gonna breathe. go i gotta go and, breathe and go scream and not put it on mute i'm like why'd you scream 
<laughs> Obviously, there's a compliance issue right there, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you, when I was working for corporate America, I was always yeah, best friends good, with the man. HR. I was always I, best friends. <laughs> I lasted 10 years in corporate America, and I, I would wear out welcome in like two to three years and be like, yeah, no, we yeah. can't your pace of change, your your entrepreneurial mindset. And that's why I knew I had to be, I'm really an entrepreneur at heart. I just, I crossed that chasm 18 years ago and I'll, I'll never go back ever. We can't, we can't because we're oh, never yeah. going, we're, nothing else is going to make us happy. I tell my clients, I can't take you from being unaware to aware, no. to unaware. I Once I bring you out of the system into captivated health, even if you have a bad year and you paid more than you thought, you know why you got a bad grade, right? But you're never going back to that place you were before because you didn't even know why you got the grade. No, because people are more motivated by a fear of loss and loot and getting. So say, for instance, and I, and I talk to a lot of successful entrepreneurs and the ones that make it to a certain level financially and then end up making some bad choices and decisions that led them to that. They lose money. They're like, well, this, I don't want to. But then that's the whole, that's the whole process. Right. Now you know how to make it and earn it. Right. right. You told me, Chris, I'll pay you $2 million a year. I'm like, you've lost your mind. Right. There's no price tag. Nope. Because if that's not aligned to what I want to do and why I do it, like there's going to be one day I'm going to wake up and be like, All right, I'm done. I have nothing else to give. I have nothing else to give the industry. I have nothing else to do. But I'm never, it's never going to stop. I don't have to do what I do. I get to do it. And it I'm sounds like retire, Chris. People always say, Mark, you're going to retire. I'm like, you know what the definition of retirement is? They're like, what? I got to be put out of use. There's nothing, nothing about me that wants to be put out of use. I'll, <laughs> I'll just decide what I'm going to do differently with my time, how I'm going to make a contribution. As <laughs> right. I, I hope I, I hope that we end up in the same retirement home, my man. You so too, <laughs> man. You're going to roll it though. It'll never be the same. <laughs> we'll be having everybody playing dice and shit, you know? But you know everyone's going to have a blast though, Chris. That's all oh, I yeah. We're going out with a party. That's right. I'm 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 gonna be that guy. Like I was actually on um Glenn Glenn Lundy's call today. It was rising grind. And the questions he, he was asking is like, Chris, what did you eat for breakfast? Like success. Yeah. <laughs> and cereal. Success and cereal, man. I'm ready. I'm energized. Every day. Any right. day it's, it's like you got a quick little one liner. It's like, well, I believe these one liners. That's well, how I point, I think there was an important point you just raised, and I want to make sure I revisit it. We I really believe to use an analogy, we're we're our client's guide. We're a Sherpa. Right. It's, mm. I'm not scaling the mountain for you. I'm just showing you how to do it. And once I bring you to a place where you really what I love about our community is when people first come in, they don't understand the language. They barely understand what they just bought. But then now I look at the last seven years and I listen to them every year. Uh Every year in October, we have an annual meeting of the membership where all the CFOs and the leaders of HR come in to this community and they all start to talk with each other and share with each other. And it's awesome to watch people go from, I can't speak to now I'm fluent. And now I'm going to here, why don't we do this? And Hey, why don't we do that? Right. Confidence and, level. Yeah, oh my God. Their healthcare confidence. That's what I call it. When their healthcare confidence level reaches this particular uh, inflection point, there is no way, which is what the system knows. There is no way they're ever going back to the system. You can't. It doesn't make any sense. You you look at the system and like I don't know what. Like it's kind of like that. Harvard did a study, and I know we're going to get close to time. Harvard did a study with a bunch of monkeys. And they put them all in this one room, and they put them all in this one room, and they put five in there at once, 
and then they went up to 100 at some point. But every once in a while, they dropped a couple of bananas up the top. And then some of the monkeys were just trying to, like, they're listening, like, they're trying to communicate, like, they're trying to pull the damn monkeys up and they're giving them, like, there's a bunch of other food on the ground. Right. right. And everyone was just sticking around because they can pick and in, in whatever they needed to survive on the bottom. But there's some of them were like, listen, there's a whole other world up here. Right. We got to move. Like, what are you doing? And then you can see them fighting. And I'm like, of course, that's an awful reference, but that's a true, like, you know, they can, people can Google it, go to Harvard and look for the monkey story. And that's actually probably, you know, it's, it's actually in a couple books that people talked about. People and, just I look, feel like, and people just feel like in healthcare, they have no control, Chris. They feel like there's none. And there is, there is, their employer can do something about it, but it doesn't involve uh, an absence of risk. There is risk in, but there's, it's riskier to stay where you are, I think, than to move into taking control of your own life, even if you don't like the answer you get in any one year, right? Most employers don't understand that one out of every five years is going to be a really bad year for claims. That's the way it works in my business. But that means the other four years, you're banking money so that when you have your fifth year, you can pay for that fifth year. Mm -hmm. They don't understand that. Well, I hope this, this episode shines a light on what is possible and them not conforming and just doing whatever the employer, whatever they're doing and making money. And, and I love that statistic that you mentioned is the second largest expense behind payroll. Well, as you know, with companies, they like to try to like nickel and dime in any area they can to ensure they're going to scale their business and staying in the green. Cause when they're in the red, the CEO, CEO gets fired, CFO gets fired. There's a lot of accountability that happens of course with board members and in, and when people are there to make their investments. They don't give a shit about your feelings. They want to make money. Right. And that's and one side of it. People don't talk about the most is the investors. That's right. They're going to get paid regardless. So you might want to produce. And healthcare grows. So employee benefits, as I said, was the second largest expense. What people don't know is it grows four to five times faster than everything else on the expense side. Why? Because of this thing called healthcare trend. You see healthcare doesn't live with CPI, consumer price index, like you and I, they came up with their own inflation factor. The, the system's brilliant. They came up with an inflation factor that's eight to 10% versus CPI, which is usually two to 3%, right? So here's what it does. In any business's operating expense side, you've got one line item growing four to five times faster, so it eats margin. If mm -hmm. you're profit, there's an old saying, no margin, no mission. Right. For profit, no margin, unhappy shareholders, loss of jobs. It's just that simple. It's a problem for non-for-profit and for-profit because it eats more expense dollars. It rises. Its slope is higher than the slope of every other good and service. So it eats profitability. And what we've done is been able to crack the code on that and help CFOs understand you actually can take control of this and you actually can squeeze out a lot of inefficiency, fraud, waste, and abuse, and not sacrifice quality. In fact, I would argue, give your people more quality for less money. And of course, they look at you and be like, that can't be possible. Well, I have a, I beg to differ. I have a community that actually could demonstrate that to you. I love this, man. Wow. God bless you. God bless your company. God bless your mission. God bless you. Like it just, it's amazing because there's one thing as me being a newer father, that's one of my biggest fears, not just like, of course, you know, everyone wants to stick around as long as they can, right? Yep. Well, I started to look at my life and looking at things inside. I mean, my health. 
because I'm not here for me anymore. <laughs> you know, something bigger. No, like, you're here for that. Your whole life changes when you have a child. Congratulations, by the yeah, way. And that's why like our tagline is the greatest wealth. Yeah, I saw that. That's what triggered my mind on it. I was like, because until she was born, like I didn't give a shit about. You know, nah. like, I don't care. I, I make enough money. I'll pay. I'll, I'll pay this. I'll pay that. I don't know. Like my my arm fell off. Give me a new one. Shit, they got them shits for sale nowadays. I have like, twin daughters, man. Who are twenty one? They change your life. Girls change your kids change your life. And the reality is, your life becomes less important. Their life becomes priority. And I'll leave you with this thought. I believe perfection only exists in two places. The dictionary and the moment our children are born until we mess oh. until we mess them up. You know, we do our right. best. we do our best. Yeah, that's gonna be up. that's gonna be a hell of a tab of therapy. I know at some point she's gonna be sitting and laying on the couch, but my dad's a fucking asshole, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's going to happen. <laughs> I mean it's inevitable. Like I know offense. I mean it you is what it is. That, Chris. It's gonna happen. I'm just telling like, you. Man, like, but there's one thing she's not gonna grow up in this world and actually have to in my, and that's one of the things that I'm striving for is not to have to feel like they have to marry Tom, Dick and Harry and feel secured. No. She'll have to make exactly. her own choices, you know? Right. So anyways, but Mark, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for sharing all the knowledge that you dropped on this episode. Guys, if you want to learn more from Mark, we'll put it all in the show notes. I'm not going to waste your time, obviously on this, but we'll put it all in the show notes and driving activity. If you have any feedback, text us at 843-396-2104. I would highly suggest you do so as well, Mark. We can put you in the keywords and build your own little communities for all those amazing people that tune in each and every week. And now it's two episodes a week, so it's a lot more traffic. We'll drive people to you. But thank you again. I appreciate you. Chris, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. And I appreciate all the good work you're doing on behalf of entrepreneurs everywhere out there. And like I said, uh, you know, thank you for your service to our country. Congratulations on the birth of your daughter and keep disrupting things with a purpose, my brother. Oh yeah. You and me. I am not going to stop. I love pissing people <laughs> off for some reason. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little sadistic, but I appreciate the kind words. Thank you a lot. That does mean a lot. Guys, be well, be you, be great. Peace out. Much love. Broadcast is brought to you by WinCheck Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.